And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys joining us this morning. We have a special guest, Mr. William Scott Dykes. He is running for District Judge Division F, correct? That's correct. Okay, here in the 21st Judicial District, which is, people don't all know this, it is Livingston, St. Helena, and Tangipahoe. So it is a three-parish district. Sir, good morning. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you having you here. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. Yes. Tell us a little bit about you know your early life, high school, college. Uh, where'd you go to law school? That kind of thing. Okay. Well, I grew up in Montpelier. That's where I was born. You know, uh, my family owned a feed store, so that's I worked there from a very young age. We also had beef cattle. My grandfather had a dairy and hogs at one time, so. Thank goodness I didn't have to do that much, but <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a tough job. And, and, sure. it, and uh, of course, we've lost a ton of dairies in this area, and I understand why, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame, but we have. Right. And so uh, where'd, you end up, where'd you go to high school? Oak Forest. I went from kindergarten through 12th grade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and where'd you go to college? Southeastern first. I went uh, criminal justice. Uh, then after that, I would... Applied to two law schools, um, but my father had open heart surgery about two weeks before I was supposed to find out whether or not I got into law school. And uh, so I had to withdraw my name and work at our business for about a year. And so uh, it set me back a year. But I mean, you know, my mother and father who ran that part of the business were both in, at the hospital. And so. Sure. And then, of course, we had beef cattle at the same time. So we had a farm I had to take care of as well. I have an older brother that helped. But I mean, you know, it's it was a lot. Sure. And, and but obviously you got past that and yeah. got and got into law school. So where, where'd you go? Where'd you end up? Southern Law School. OK. And okay. Uh, I started there, uh, you know, finished there. I mean, it was a great learning experience. Had a lot of friends. Uh, I had a couple of friends from that I grew up with that were actually there with me. So. Let's back up just a second. Uh, you're in. You're you're doing criminal justice in Southeastern. So, would you say that your desire to be in law kind of came in high school? Uh, probably before that. And I mean, I always had an interest in it, but really, I at one time I wanted to be a narcotics agent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, that's where it began. I can't really tell you why. I don't know. Might have been a you know watching. TV shows, movies. I, I really can't tell you why. I just remember at a young age that was something that really interested me. Um, you know, uh, like undercover work, things like that. It seemed like it was interesting, you know, as a young kid. That's Sure, sure. But as you got older, uh, it, clearly your mindset shifted a little bit. When you were thinking about, you know, going to Southeastern out of high school, did you immediately think I'm going into criminal justice? Was that right off the bat? I, no, actually, I thought about going into medical okay. um, and uh, I had an interest in either. Uh, I wasn't quite sure, but I liked uh, maybe vet, maybe uh, yeah. a nurse, maybe a doctor. I, I wasn't quite sure. Um, so I started in general studies. I was thinking about, like I said, going maybe through the medical field. And uh, I realized that wasn't for me just wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, then I changed to criminal justice. Of course, I'd always kind of had an interest in that. So once I started that, the head of the department, Dr. Sullenberger was, uh, I mean, he just, 
I had so much fun in his classes. We had a lot of arguments <laughs> back and forth. Sure. And I think it was my junior year. He pulled me to the side, asked me to come, you know, hey, come talk to me after class. And I here I am thinking I'm in trouble. I've argued too much, you know, and and uh he brought me in. We talked for probably twenty minutes and the whole time was about you're going to law school. And I was like, Well no, I'm probably going to law for No, you're going to law school. This is why. And you know, I, I told him I said, I always thought about it, but you know, I just don't know how it'd be as an attorney. He said, I'm telling you right now, go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously argumentative uh, from an early point in your life, which I is, is a good part of being a lawyer. Uh, what was your, you know, mindset walking out of that meeting? Like, what were you thinking? What, what was the, what were the wheels turning in your head? Well, first off, I was just, uh, you know, I was really amazed that he took the time to do that. You know, um, it, I mean, he didn't have to do that at all. He could have just went on with his day. And so it really touched me that he took the time to say, hey, this is what you really need to do. I've seen a lot, a lot of students. I mean, he was head of the department. So he took the time to really sit down, talk to me and say, hey, I think this would be a great feel for you to go in. I think you'd do great at it. And so, uh, you know, I mean, that was the first thing that I was thinking about. Wow, I can't believe he did that. And then, uh, of course, then I started kind of looking into it and trying to decide, you know, hey, is this something I, I think I can do? And. Um, you know, in high school, I thought about it, but, you know, like I said, it just wasn't something that I was sure about. And, um, but he, I think when he led me that way, I, I just never looked back. Rolled forward with it with one, with one small, uh, trial, obviously with your father. Uh, but you know, you made it through and yeah. you, and you, and you went into college or uh, out of college into law school. Right. Pardon me. So. As you're going through law school, what do you, what are you thinking as the end draws near? I mean, are you thinking I'm going to go out and I'm going to open my own practice? I'm going to join a practice. What what were your thoughts as as you kind of progressed through law school? Well, to be quite honest, when you first start, you're not thinking about anything. <laughs> At least I wasn't. I was just trying to. I mean, it's a whole new world. They they throw a lot at you more than you can do, and I mean, it's uh, it's trying. A lot of people drop out. Um, I had a good friend that dropped out. And uh, they said it's not for them. Um, and then as you get in the second year, you know, you get into a groove, it gets a little easier as far as you know what to expect and you know how to prepare and you know what you can do, what you can't do. And uh, as soon as second year was about, I guess, about halfway through it, I started talking to my father about, you know, uh, working at a law firm. And so my third year, I worked for Eric Pittman. In Denham Springs. Okay. I clerked for him for a year, uh, you know, just writing papers, things like that, um, getting a feel for, you know, what you actually do as an attorney. And that helped me a lot. I mean, it showed me. Uh, I mean, he was been practicing for a long time. He had another lawyer in his office that had been practicing for a while that was older. So I had some uh, good people to look up to. Um, and then when I got out of law school, I just kept working for him and uh, as I, you know, passed the bar and sworn in, the train derailment happened in Amy. Well, it happened on my family's property and a lot of people that had worked for my family for many years uh, had to evacuate their homes and, you know, they didn't know when they would get to go back, how they were going to pay for a hotel room. I mean, they, two o'clock in the morning, they just had to leave, you know, right. and 
they told them to grab a bag and go. And, well, they didn't know what to grab or anything. They didn't know why, you know, what to do. So the next day they were calling my father and he was like, look, you know, go talk to them. They need somebody. And it wasn't as an attorney. It was really just to go, you know, like I said, as friends kind of, because I grew up around these men and uh, their families and uh, so many of their kin had worked for us. And so it was really about that at first. And after a while, I mean, they were out of their homes for a few, quite a few days and, you know, worried about all the stuff where it was contaminated, things like that. So um, it just worked into a business relationship, I guess, later on because I had to uh, ended up representing a lot of. So you ended up really having uh, your own firm in a, in a way. Well, I was working for Eric Pittman at that time. Um, okay. Later on, I ended up becoming a junior partner and then a partner. Um, and then so I kind of had my own firm at that point, even though we worked together, I guess would be a better gotcha. way to describe it. Sure. And so what's interesting about that is you now have your you now have your own firm. Yeah. You're also a public defender. So you kind of cut your teeth in sort of a bit of public defense because you were or at least helping these people who you grew up around. Yes. I mean, uh, I started off in Amy and Livingston as a public defender. Um, so I did know, you know, you get a lot of people that come through there. Um, I knew some of them. I grew up with some of them or, or their families. So, yeah, I knew a lot of people that I ended up representing, or at least their families. So. so, you know, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, we we know that you are an attorney, but what it's like to be a public defender, which is what uh, now, obviously, when you qualified, we talked about it. You had to resign that post. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your experiences uh, during that time. Well, when I first started, I still had a full practice. So I was, I mean, I was trying to, uh, it's tremendous amount of work. And uh, of course, they've cut that down a lot now. When I first started, you had two divisions. Well, I had Judge Doug Hughes, I had him in Amy and in Livingston. So okay. uh, now they have just one parish, one judge. You know, each judge has a public defender and a uh, ADA, you know, in each parish. So you know, it's not as uh, the workload's a lot less. Right. Even though they have six judges now, back then they had eight. So okay, okay. So, I mean, what do you like? Tell us a little bit about the day to day. I mean, you know what it what it's like to kind of work on that side. I guess you can say of of, of public law. Well, of course, it's a lot of paperwork. I mean, you have to read a lot of police reports, things like that. You also have to do a lot of paperwork to keep up with your time. Uh, you know, how you, you know, I mean, mileage, I mean, all kind of stuff, you know, if you have to drive to another parish to go visit with somebody that's in a, you know, facility, or if you have to, uh, you know, things like that, if you got to go look at a crime scene, you got to keep up with your mileage. Uh, it, you know, if you go uh, as far as you got to put how many cases you have, you got to, now, of course, our computer system does a lot of that now, but when I first started, it you had to go through it. It was old school paper. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, as a public defender, you probably have, much like some of those ADAs, uh, a very uh, close proximity relationship to a lot of these judges. Tell us a little bit about how your relationship with those judges has kind of uh, molded your experience as a lawyer and what that relationship 
would provide for you should you win the bench? Well, um, when I first started, we were with Doug Hughes. And if you knew him, <laughs> I mean, he was always in a good mood. He's always got a smile. And uh, I did some juvenile work with him as well. And, I mean, I learned so much by watching him and, uh, you know, how he, with juveniles, tried to grab their attention. You know, you got a short window and, you, you know, to make a difference. They're obviously doing something wrong because they're in front of him. So, uh, you know, he's trying to stop that now. And, uh, you know, there's still people that are 17 through, you know, early 20s that are still like that. You know, you got to try and catch them because if you don't stop their behavior now, they're going to end up, you know, as you would say, you know, lifelong criminals in a way. And uh, there are some out there that, you know, you can really make a difference with. And I've seen it. That's one of the gifts, I guess, that I've learned from the public defender's office, you know, um, that there are people out there that if you really take time, you really, you know, talk to them and uh, spend a, you know, give them insight that they've never had before. Show them that there's a way to they can get a job, they can make money and there's a better way to do it. Uh, You know, I've had uh, some great success with that. Explain to us what what kind of cases go through Division F before we uh, kind of jump into the next part of the question. Okay, well, it's criminal and civil, but it doesn't do family law and it doesn't do juvenile. Yeah. So as a public defender going going through that, how would representing those defendants affect the way that you would be a judge if, if you won the bench? Well, I've seen it from both sides, so... It helps, you know, in other words, uh, I've, I've been on the other side, as you say, you know, as defending someone that is truly innocent, you know, they have somebody that has, you know, put charges against them, that person. And this is one of the first cases I had, it was probably three, four months in, had a guy that was accused of a crime. He spent seven months in jail. Um, he gets out because I, I can't remember exactly why an officer had to go be on vacation, something. So we missed our trial date. So he gets out for a month, month and a half. We show up to court. He's sitting in the, uh, on a pew and all of a sudden he comes running up to me, man, man, you got to talk to this guy, talk to this guy. And he's all excited. And I'm like, man, you know, calm down. Don't get us in trouble before it starts. It ends up the victim was sitting next to him and they were just talking. And neither one knew who they, you know, that that was, they were there on the same case. They didn't know it. So after they had talked for a few minutes, the victim looks at him and said, man, you're six inches taller, you know, way, way more than this guy. You're not the guy. <laughs> Even though he looked like it in the lineup. I mean, they look a lot alike. I mean, it's the best lineup I've ever seen. But, uh, you know, I mean, things like that happen. So we were set for trial, about to get ready to pick a jury. And. Victim comes in and says, that's not the person. Wow. Wow. So yeah. you've, you've had real life experience with all this on both sides. Absolutely. You know, so as a judge, you know, when you're thinking about walking in on that first day, should you be elected? You know, what, what are you thinking? Like, what, what's your mindset to be the best judge that you can be? Be fair. You know, each person that comes before you that's the most important case they have because that's the only case they have you know uh you know a lot of times 
you know, as an attorney, you have so many cases. When I started the public defender's office, you know, uh, we'd have 500 cases or more. And I'm talking about felony cases, not misdemeanors. And, uh, you know, how do you sort through that, pick out which ones, you know, you can't spend days and weeks on every case at 500. So you have to be able to go through it. You got to figure out which ones you got to talk to them, figure out which ones want just a deal, which ones want the, you know, they're going to go to trial. And, uh, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's a difficult balance. Sure. So, well, and I, you know, that leads into the next question. You said you have to be fair. There's a balance to strike. How do you remain that way? You know, it's very, very tough to be a judge. You're constantly hearing cases. You're constantly seeing guilty, innocent. What What are some of the things that you've learned along the way that can help you to be and remain impartial and balanced? Well, like I said, knowing that every person that comes before you, no matter who's representing them, it doesn't matter. Uh, I've had you know, people that aren't involved in law come to me and say, you know, as a public defender, you only represent the guilty. Well, that's not always the case. And so uh, my experience, I believe, should help me, you know, doing so much criminal work because I've done thousands of felony cases. I mean, I couldn't even count how many I've done. Um, And, you know, some people, like I said, they were obviously guilty. You know, I mean, some it's questionable. Others, I mean, it was you know, hundred percent that they would, they were innocent. We just had to get that evidence forward. And, uh, you know, they had alibis or they were somewhere else. And I mean, I had one person that was on camera somewhere else, you know, um, so they, you know, obviously they weren't where they said they were at that time. You know, um, a lot of times eyewitness testimony, I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, it's not the best. Everybody thinks it is, but it's really not. So, right. So, Thinking about all those things and the experiences that you've had, you've already talked about one situation you've been in that's that was kind of interesting. And, and you know, especially with regard to lineups and, right. you know, going through sort of the whole process and then having sort of this last minute, you know, drop the brakes on it. Hold on. I, you know, let's dig a little deeper on personal experience. Tell us a little bit about like, you know, what was one of the hardest cases you've ever been involved in or one of the hardest trials rather? one that involved a judge, what was, what was the, the hardest thing about it and how did you overcome that? Well, I mean, probably one of the hardest cases never went to trial. We got all the way up to trial actually a couple times. Uh, it was a first degree non-capital murder. Um, and I mean, it, just the facts of it, um, the person that was ended up being a victim you know, had been arrested for something else, a pretty bad crime. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was hard because you're sitting here looking at this person and I'm like, it's a military vet. Um, you know, he just doesn't look like the type of person that just did what they, he said he did. And, um, you know, I don't know if he had mental problems, if he had, you know, PTSD, you know, what, What's the, what's making him say things that don't add up? And then there's always a different story. It's never the same story. So, you know, something's obviously wrong. And so, um, you know, and that's usually what the most difficult cases are. The ones where somebody has some kind of mental illness or, or, you know, long-term drug use, which may cause mental illness. And so, 
you know, when you have mental illness or drug use, did it drug use cause mental illness or did the mental illness, you know, did it that cause them to, you know, be a drug user? Because they that's a lot of people don't realize that when somebody has mental illness and they don't get, you know, uh, diagnosed, well, they do, they go out and they find some kind of drug that makes them feel better. And, you know, so it's self-medicating. Sure. And, and, and so as a judge, how do you, how do you work through that? Well, first off is, you know, you hope that the public defender or the private attorney for the defense and the prosecutor work together. And a lot of times, you know, most of the time they do, and they'll come up with, Hey judge, look, uh, you know, this person really has a mental problem. We, we'd like to get him, you know, uh, looked at, see if there's something that can be done, you know, cause I've had people that, uh, that are, will never come out of the mental institute. You know, I mean, they may, but I doubt it. They've been there for 10 years. So, Right. So a lot of it is about, uh, you know, a lot of it is about, I guess you can say, a communication between the judge, public defender, private attorney. So it being able to remain balanced, as, as you said, through that story it is a lot about not just sitting up at the bench and firing off guilty and not guilty. A lot of it is about communication. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, with that, and that may be the answer to this next question, when you're, when you're a judge, when you're sitting up there on the bench, from your perspective, what's the biggest challenge? Is that it? Is making sure that line of communication stays open or is it something else? Well, I mean, you always want the line of communication to stay open and, you always have to have the, uh, you know, the prosecutor and the defense attorney there uh, when you have that communication. Um, it's always good to sit down. Judge uh, Morrison had a great way of doing pretrials. He would bring both attorneys in, you know, the prosecutor, defense attorneys, and they would sit down together and you'd work the cases. And, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, you know, work out deals and stuff. Is this case we got to go to trial with? Is this case we can work, do a deal And, uh, I mean, I used to love that. I mean, I thought that was great because you don't have the client listening. You don't have the uh, victims listening and you can kind of hash out, you know, the legal part of it and just get to the, you know, get to the bottom and say, Hey, this is what we got. And this is what we're looking at. Right. Because a lot of times trials can drag on, uh, you know, they can drag people into it that may not have either wanted to participate or, needed to be a part of it, like you said, for a lot of different reasons. So uh, that, you know, that's interesting. So when you're thinking about running for the bench, but, you know, you've also been involved in your community, obviously going all the way back to the, that train derailment, you know, how do you, how do you perceive yourself as trying to stay involved? Well, uh, which I, I know said. is difficult <laughs> as a judge. It is. I know. Yeah. Because you have uh, lines that you can't cross as a judge, and you never want to be in a situation where somebody comes, "Hey, judge, look, I got to come before you." You know, you know what's going to happen in this, or you know, so you have to be real careful. Uh, but I mean, there's always ways that you can still be part of the community. You know, uh, you know donate time. Uh, they have speaking engagements. Hopefully, uh, I'd like to be able to talk to you know, maybe at colleges and uh, high schools where you can go in and kind of tell them a little bit about what happens in court. Uh, when I was, that's probably, now that I think about it, I remember as a young, I think I was maybe in middle school, we went to court and watched it one day. And uh, it was, 
it was very interesting to me. I had people that were about to fall asleep, and I'm sitting there like, wow, this is neat how the interactions go, the sure. arguing goes. And I'm like, wow, you can get to argue. That's always fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I started at a young age with that. Well, thinking about that argumentation, does where do you feel that takes you in terms of being a judge? I mean, does that mean you're going to give you know people a little pushback in the courtroom? Is it something you have to leave behind? You know, how do you feel about that argumentative part of yourself that's made you, you know, such a good attorney? Well, I mean, obviously, you don't want to argue with the attorneys, but I think what it'll do instead is, you know, you have to set boundaries. So I believe the boundaries will limit that. So. So let's pull it all together here. You know, you you're running for 21st Judicial District. Division D. There's so many D's in there. Division F. F, I'm sorry. D was Div- last. Yeah, that was last year. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Let's try that again because yeah. there's a lot of D's in there. I was just trying to make sure I got through all the D's. You are okay. running for 21st Judicial District, Division F. Right. That is Livingston Parish, St. Helena, and Tangipo. That's right. Give us your two minute. Why, you know, pulling everything together we've talked about this morning, why should people vote for you? Well, my experience for one, you know, uh, Right now, I'm the magistrate in Springfield, town attorney for Killian. You know, I've had 18 years of uh, courtroom experience. So I've been in the courtroom since I started. Uh, a lot of people ask me, what does that mean, actual or real courtroom experience? That's what it means. I've been there. Uh, as a public defender, you know, at least one week out of every month, I was in court. When I moved to St. Helena, every Friday I was in court. Uh, at the same time, I've always had a private practice. So I still have civil matters. So I still go to court on that. Um, you know, I have cases, I've had cases in every federal court, like the Eastern, the middle and the Western district, uh, court of appeals, Louisiana Supreme court. Um, so I've had a case all over Louisiana. Uh, I've done just about any kind of law that would come before me. And so I've seen it probably had a case like that. And, uh, you know, so I know the law, I know how it should be applied. And uh, I really feel that my experience sets me apart and it makes me uniquely qualified for this position. So again, Mr. William Scott Dykes running for 21st Judicial District Court Division F. Got it that time. Uh, Sir, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And look, uh, before we go, I just want to put a shout out to my family. If you never ran for a race, I promise you, you you don't know. It is difficult. Okay. It's a lot of hours, a lot of work. And my wife, you know, she does so much for me. You know, she's got the kids, she's got her job, and she helps me with the campaign. So my kids, you know, they're used to seeing me at home. I try to spend as much time with them as I can, and it's hard to do. Um, So on the weekends, we try and do stuff together. And, you know, I've got two girls, one that's about to be 14, one that just turned nine, and it's tough on them. So uh, I just want to tell them thank you. I mean, because without them, I couldn't do it. And, they, you know, they're the reason I'm doing this. I'm trying to make a difference. You know, I just want to be able to help people, and I want to show them that it's possible. Well, and thank you for that, sir. And thank you to Mr. Dykes' family, supporting him through this, through this race. Uh, and again, Mr. William Scott Dykes running for district judge in 21st Judicial District Court, Division F, that's St. Helena, 
Tangipo, and right here in Livingston. One last time, my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys joining us for the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. Want to remind everybody, we are on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. We are once a week in print on Thursdays. You can get that in your mailbox for $7 a month. And we are also online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. We have a podcast page, which is free, currently covering the coronavirus, which is also free. And we have a breaking news page, which is free as well. We do hope you all have a great day. Please remember, uh, we're still kind of waiting to see what the election season is going to look like uh, as we're waiting for uh, a new plan to come from Secretary of State Kyle Ardwin after a district court judge uh, did actually a federal court judge, excuse me, did rule that the uh, the plan must be changed. Uh, so as of right now, early voting will be the week before the November 3rd election. Then there'll be a week break and then always on Tuesday. I love it. So please vote. Don't forget, if you don't vote, you can't complain. So we hope you all have a great day and we will see you next time.